0: Welcome to the Gary Smith Show. For the next hour, Gary will be taking your calls and answering your emails as he discusses personal development as it relates to your business, your career, and your personal life. Gary is a successful businessman and entrepreneur and is the founder and president of Optimum Performance Technologies, LLC, Gary is a business consultant, business and personal coach, and a professional speaker and writer who has dedicated his life to helping businesses and individuals develop and implement plans to take their companies and their lives to new levels of performance and success. Gary is the author of two outstanding books, The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life, and Achieving Unusual Greatness, Time Lessons from the Trail Already Blazed. If you have a question or comment for Gary, please call in at 860-432-9735 or email him at info at WSDK1550.com. You can also learn more about Gary by visiting his website, Optex.com. And now, here's Gary Smith.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to 1550 AM WSDK and the Gary Smith Show here on this beautiful Saturday morning. Yeah, it's really funny. I was uh, sitting out in the car outside this morning and, uh, as I was getting ready to get out of the car and come in, I was thinking I needed to ask Zach if he had about a 500-foot mic extension cord that we could take outside so I could sit out on the grass and do today's show because it's so, uh, so beautiful out there. Uh, but we're glad to have you along with us this morning. Uh, again, thank you uh, to Zach Hutchinson, my producer, for being here this morning and taking care of all of the, the technical details. And we actually had a funny little technical glitch with some of our audio files this morning, and Zach was able to work through that quickly. And, uh, and so we're good to go with the show today today uh, I want to start off the show today by uh, by making an announcement and that is that starting today we're going to be running a contest and there's only two caveats to the contest uh, The first thing is is that you have to uh, either call us or email us with a question that we can either discuss on the air or um, or talk about here on the show if you send in an email. Uh, and, uh, you need to do it while we're live on the show and you gotta be willing to share your contact information with us. But if you do that, what we're gonna do is we're gonna accumulate all of your call-ins, uh, all of your call-in information and your email information. And at the end of the month, we're going to draw some names, uh, out of a hat. And we're going to give away some free stuff. There's going to be copies of uh, my books uh, and my CD available and uh, also maybe some gift cards from local restaurants, that sort of thing. So make sure you call in or send us an email uh, with your questions. And uh, and just again, to be clear, this is not just a call-in and register offer. You have to call in with a legitimate question or something like that that we can – couldn't talk about here on the gary smith show again the contact information here uh call in at 860-432-9735 text us at 860-856-7193 and email is questions at optex.com and also uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to some of our other broadcasts you can find podcasts of those at my website which is www.optex.com well, today's show is going to be an interesting one. Uh for the first uh, few shows that we did, we were talking about the kind of the foundations of personal development and then we shifted over and we talked about building a godly business. And now what we're going to do from this point forward with the show is we're going to start focusing in on various areas of personal development and business development uh as we go forward with the with the show and today's show is an interesting one. It's called Finding a Job in a Difficult Economy. And we've got a special guest this morning. Uh, her name is Lauren White. Lauren is a former professional recruiter. Uh, she's a real high-energy, high-quality, professional young woman. She's also a Christian, so as you'll see, her foundational values are, are just incredibly uh, solid. I've known Lauren for about a year now, and we met several weeks ago after a local networking meeting and we spent some time talking about critical issues related to finding a job in a challenging economy. And today you're going to hear a number of clips from that pre-recorded conversation. But before we jump into that, I want to get into a little bit of the foundational things that are, that are driving our economy because I think that one of the things that you need to do if you're out there looking for a job today or if you're looking to change careers or if you're in a situation where you're underemployed, you need to know what's going on in the economy and why in order to be able to intelligently approach potential employers when you're, when you're looking for work. Right now, the population in Connecticut is about 3.6 million people. That was as of the end of, of 2013, and that compares with a U.S. population of 316 million people. So Connecticut is roughly 1% of the overall population of this country, and yet we have a labor force that's a uh, 1,865,000 people. Uh, Current unemployment rate is around 7%, so that means that nominally we've got about 130,000 people who are unemployed in the state of Connecticut. And as we've talked about in some other shows, that actual number is probably larger, probably even double that, or about a quarter of a million people when you consider those people who have given up looking for work or have fallen off the unemployment uh, tracking rolls and those who may technically be working but are really underemployed. So when we combine this with the impact of the economic uncertainty, I mean, let's go back and and talk just for a minute. Back in 2008, we had uh, what Kiplinger had had, uh, coined as the bubble economy. And in 2008, 2009, the stock market bubble, the real estate bubble, the personal credit bubbles, all three of those bubbles popped. And we've seen some recovery from that, but the stock market was overvalued back in 2008 and 2009, and in my opinion, it still is today because the underlying asset value just isn't there. The asset value of companies has not increased at the rate that their stock prices have. So I think that's a problem. Uh, We saw the the real estate market took a big hit back in 2008 as it corrected itself, and it started to come back, but still there's a, a huge percentage of homes in Connecticut and across the country where people are underwater with their mortgages, which means that they owe more on their homes than the homes are actually worth. So that creates a, a real problem too, not only for the people, but for the lending institutions who are uh, who are financing those, those homes. And we also, back in 2008 and 2009, saw that people had been amassing enormous amounts of credit card debt. And that continues to this day. That really has not corrected itself uh, at all. But anyway, as a result of all of those things, uh, in an attempt to pull the economic plane, if you will, out of a nosedive, the government implemented a stimulus program, and that was a combination of keeping interest rates low and printing a lot more money. And I don't want to politicize this conversation, because that's really not what this show is all about. But as a business person, I'll tell you, I haven't seen any hugely successful results here in Connecticut of the stimulus program. And those business people I talk to around the country, the vast majority of them haven't seen it either. So so what's the bottom line here? Employers are concerned. They're afraid that there will be a repeat of the 2008-2009 economic crisis, but they're now further worried about the impact of this whole stimulus program uh, because the, the government has printed a lot more money. So they're concerned about the devaluation of the dollar, and they're also concerned about the massive amount of debt that we're carrying as a nation. And perhaps even more concerning to them, they're losing confidence in Washington's ability to keep the ship afloat. So as a result of that, employers are being much more judicious in their hiring. And by that, I mean there's still some hiring going on, but finding jobs that may be available is more challenging, and then getting interviews is even, is even more difficult. Now, you might be viewing that information I just covered as something that's negative, but there are two sides to every coin. You can look at these statistics and think, oh my goodness, I'll never find a job. Or you can realize that there are jobs out there to be had if you learn to be creative and how you locate them and how you present yourself. So today's program is all about giving you some ideas about how to approach the process of finding a job in a challenging economy. If you're unemployed, if you're underemployed, if you're looking for a change, or if you're considering a new career, today's program is for you. So give us a call with your questions and concerns, 860-432-9735, text at 860-856 email at, questions at uh, So let's jump into this thing. Uh, of The first segment of our program, we want to talk about the biggest challenges to finding a job. Now, keep in mind that this particular part of the conversation that I had with Lauren White was pre-recorded a few weeks ago. And so some of the statistics related to the unemployment numbers in Connecticut have been updated, uh, and they've improved, and that's good news. But let's jump right in with segment one of our discussion with Lauren White. Okay, everyone. I'm here with uh, with Lauren White. Uh, Lauren is a former recruiter and a great friend, and I really appreciate her taking the time to uh, to be with me today uh, to do some recording, uh, just relative to the whole job search process. And we've got a number of uh, topics that we're going to talk about. So, Lauren, thanks very much for all your help.
2: Oh yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here, Gary.
1: Thank you. Right. So, um, the first thing, the first topic I wanted to get on is is Biggest challenges in finding a job, um, you know, internal, you know, internal to people, uh, you know, external circumstances Because one of the things I've, I've hit on the radio show quite heavily the past couple of weeks is when you look at the need for personal development and things, a lot of that is being driven by the economy because, Mm -hmm. you know, 80% of the households in this country, you know, are living from paycheck to paycheck. 85% of the people have less than $1,000 in savings. And even when you look at the unemployment numbers here in Connecticut now, I think the last time I looked, the unemployment was 7.9%. And and really, if you look at the real unemployment numbers, they're probably close to double that. But even at 7.9%, that means in the little tiny state of Connecticut, we've got 158,000 people out of work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, from your perspective in, in a as a recruiter in in dealing with people, you know, uh, what kind of emotions have you encountered with with that, you know, uh, and and how are people dealing with that?
2: Sure. Um, Well, when it comes to finding a job, there are internal and external challenges that come up. Um, The internal challenges are a couple things. First, those People that just need to build up confidence, you know, that see those numbers out there and are discouraged by them. And my first bit of advice is don't be discouraged. You know, get get someone who can maybe mentor you, um, someone who's been through the process before. For internal challenges, like you said, you know, a lot of jobs maybe aren't posted out there. Um, so a good thing to do would be basically to talk to people that you know. Start networking that would be one of the external challenges that's out there. Um, if jobs aren't posted, then, yeah, start seeing who you can talk to, who you can get out in the community with, network with. Go on your LinkedIn. That's been a huge thing that's been helpful to people. I know someone I talked to recently who was looking for a job and finding challenges, struggling with it. Went on their LinkedIn, met with or shot an email out to a lot of different friends uh, that had jobs in the community just saying, hi, you know, it's been a little while. We haven't connected. I would love to just set up the opportunity to learn a little bit about your company and what you're doing. Um, it interests me. I'd like to get into that type of environment. So those small steps help to not only create opportunities for yourself, but then help build up your confidence so then you can get to the next level, go talk to those hiring managers.
1: Yeah, and I think you know the LinkedIn thing is a, is a really powerful tool, uh, not only from the standpoint of what you said, but uh, LinkedIn affords the opportunity to do what I would call targeted marketing. You can actually go in and search your list of contacts for people who are in certain businesses or people who are in various geographic locations. And even though they may not be the owner of a company, if you just shoot mm-hmm. them a quick email and say, gee, can you introduce me to somebody in your organization who's responsible for, you know, for this kind of function? Um, you know, that's, you know, that's one aspect of it. Uh, the other thing on LinkedIn is join groups.
2: Exactly. Uh, get
1: in groups, you know, get involved in the conversation because a lot of times the input that you have into the conversation will get people reaching out to you saying, hey, it seems like you know a lot about, exactly. maybe we need to get together type of thing. So that's the first segment in looking at, uh, looking at the biggest challenges to finding a job. And as Lauren said, discouragement can have a major impact on your ability to find work because it affects your mental and emotional states. And your mental and emotional states, whether you, whether you realize it or not, are, are impact, they impact your physiology. They show up as an expression of your body language. And, and let's be honest, no one wants to hire someone who has low self confidence and communicates it both verbally and non verbally. Uh, A number of weeks ago, I was on another radio show, and we had a caller who came in, and he actually was employed, but he was going into his annual review, which is almost like going into a job interview in some respects. He was going into his annual review, and he was concerned about about it, and he was nervous about it, and he asked me for some suggestions, and and I basically told him four things. The first thing is to pray. Rely upon God. God will, through the Holy Spirit, will calm your nerves and will give you direction. He'll help you stay focused. Number two is breathe. Take some deep breaths. Sit back. Relax. You know, it's not a big deal. The person on the other side of the table you know, is a human being who you know, puts his pants on just the same way that you do every day. Uh, make sure that you, you, know, you see yourself as a calm, confident person. And if you're a person who uh, has some struggles with public speaking or something like that, take the time to practice. Get in front of the mirror. Talk to yourself about the things that you want to say in, in a potential interview. Those things are, are really important. And then we also talked about LinkedIn as being a powerful tool. Uh, it has some great search capabilities for what I term as targeted marketing. So you can look at things from a geographic point of view. Is there a specific area of the country where you would like to work? You can look at specific companies. You can find employees who work for those companies. And as we said in the segment, even if you may not be able to, um, you know, to find the owner of the company or a hiring manager, if you can reach out to just one and one or two employees there and say, "Hey, I'd like an introduction to the." head of this department oftentimes they'll respond very positively uh, become a member of small business groups on LinkedIn and give your input if you can begin to establish yourself as a subject matter expert or even just letting people know uh, on the uh, on the business group uh, chat rooms that you're looking for a, a position and what you're looking for and what you have to offer uh, and it's not just about what you do, but what you're interested in that becomes important as well. You you can look at what you've been currently doing in your life, but what other passions do you have? What other things might you be able to do with the skill sets that you have? And so open up your creative thinking in that way. Yeah, The next thing we wanted to talk about with Lauren is – the whole concept of re-careering. Uh, perhaps you've been looking for work and you can't find something in your field or maybe you're employed and you just don't enjoy what you're doing anymore. Uh, let's hear what Lauren has to say about changing careers. What about those people who you know, are, are not only unemployed but maybe they've been looking for a period of time and they can't find anything in their field and they're looking to re-career. They're looking for, you know, they're at a point where it's like, you know, one way or another, even if I have to go bag groceries at Walmart, I have to have a job. Mm -hmm. Uh, What kind of advice do you have for people like that as far as, you know, how do you even go about deciding what other kinds of jobs you should be looking for?
2: If you're at that point, the best advice that I can give is to ask yourself a series of questions. Self-reflect first, see what really interests you, what you feel like, you know, you have the ability to um be passionate about and then ask yourself questions is this a good time to make a change if you have family that you need to talk to can i afford to make this change and then like i said about finding a mentor find someone that can help you who's in that industry and let you know how to break into it another huge question to ask at that point is are you willing to start from the bottom and work your way up that's going to be a a huge deciding factor.
1: So how do, you know, how do companies respond to those sorts of things though because as an example, if you were a vice president of a company mm. in in one job and now you're looking at going to another company totally different position uh, and you're going to, you know, to go in, you know, as a, you know, as a worker bee mm. and be forced to basically start at the basic at the bottom and work your way up. How do you sell yourself to a company in that respect? Because I, you know, I've talked to a lot of other hiring managers and a lot of attitudes that seem to be prevalent is, well, yeah, the guy will come to work for me. And I'm sure that at this lower level, he'll do a really, really good job. But as soon as the economy improves and there's a need for him you know, elsewhere for the skills that he has that are so far beyond what he's doing, he's going to bail and he's going to leave me. So why would I want to hire him?
2: Right. I've run into that. Um, the best thing that you can do to show that you're willing to stick it out is m- maybe education. How much time have you spent getting to learn this career and get into that career? So if you're willing to take the time to maybe go back to school for a master's, go back to school for a college degree, um, even just getting a certificate, there are a lot of opportunities out there just to take, take courses to learn a little bit more about what you're looking to do. They'll see the investment in either time or money spent to get to know that new industry. And then you're right. You will have to do the hard work to Work your way up and to prove yourself, but I think where it makes a difference with HR managers is if you have put investment of either your time or money into learning that new career. I do. I think that they appreciate that, and uh, there there always will be that concern, you know, that you're going into it saying, okay, I might have 20 years of experience doing manufacturing, and now I want to switch and be in sales. Um, but also take maybe some of your previous experience, and you might not realize that some of the manufacturing work you were doing, talking to other people who are employed there, could have been sales and you weren't even realizing it. So show them that maybe some of those skill sets are embedded um, and really are what you want to do. So, excellent, yeah. excellent point there. Excellent mm-hmm. point.
1: Now, I want to focus in on one of the things that uh, that Lauren talked about, and that is is looking at the skill sets that you have and the, and the whole concept of kind of self-reflection. What I recommend to people I coach is that you do a personal inventory and you ask yourself some basic questions like, what are the core skills that you have that have enabled you to be successful in the past? I mean, take the time, make a list of those things, because if you really stop and take some time and think about it, there's a whole lot going on in your life that you are kind of on autopilot with that you don't even really think about until you sit down and go through it. And then think about what other skills do you have that can be used to move you in perhaps a different direction, maybe into a different career. As an example, you may not currently be in any kind of a supervisory position, but if you've been in law, uh, involved in leadership in local civic organizations or your church, if you're a troop leader in the Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, if you've coached baseball, what skill sets that you, do you have that you've developed over the years that, that you can use? What are you really passionate about? If you could be king or queen for a day, what kind of job or career would you create for yourself and why? And then as you've put those things together and you begin to think about, here's the skill sets I have and here's some of the things I'm interested in, take the time to do a gap analysis and look at what the gaps are between where you are and where you want to be and how can you get creative in filling them. I mean, yeah, certainly everybody can go back to school and pay money to take courses and stuff. But what about going to your local library? What about online resources that are free? What about inexpensive? books that you can get from Amazon and Barnes & Noble and places like that that will help you learn and build build your skill set. So think about those things. We're going to take a quick break here, and we will be right back with more of Lauren White here on The Gary Smith Show.
3: You know, I've owned this company for a long time. I love what I do, but things keep getting more and more challenging. Taxes, the economy, global competition, they're coming together in a way that may put me out of business if I don't find a better, more cost-effective way of doing things.
1: Businesses are struggling more today than at almost any time in our history. Problems with our national economy, uncertainties in Washington, and the global political situation are keeping many companies from taking action and moving forward. I'm Gary Smith, and I'm in the business of helping companies survive and grow. From cost reduction and productivity improvement to new product introductions and market penetration, I can help you drive your business in the right direction. Call me at 203-599-1467 or email me at gary at com for your free, no-obligation consultation.
3: Get Valley just an outside chance of a shower or a late-day thunderstorm as an area of moisture begins to drop southeastward. Upper 40s tonight. Some sun for a while tomorrow with possible thunder around, mainly late afternoon through evening, as that moisture begins moving eastward, low 60s. Brisk and a bit cool for Monday with mostly sunshine, low 60s. Randy Berkson with the WSDK weather update.
0: Ask any athlete or coach, and they'll tell you that coming from behind takes a lot out of a team. Well, next time on Sports Spectrum, we'll take a look at overcoming a bad start with legendary jockey and Kentucky Derby winner Pat Day and former Orioles pitcher Scott McGregor. Overcoming a bad start on the next Sports Spectrum. Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock right here on Life Changing Radio.
1: Welcome back to the Gary Smith Show here on 1550 AM WSDK. We're going to continue our conversation with uh, with Lauren White in just a couple of seconds here. But first of all, I want to let you know that uh, the phone lines are open here. Give us a call at 860-432-9735. Uh, with your questions related to finding a job in a challenging economy or any other subject related to personal and business development that you'd like, text us at 860-856-7193. Email us questions at com. Well, We're going to talk now about other sources for finding jobs. Uh, We talked about using social media like LinkedIn as one vehicle for finding potential jobs. But what else can can you and should you be doing to uncover jobs out there that no one else knows about? Let's get back to our conversation with Lauren White um let's talk a little bit we started the conversation about linkedin and using you know using social media like linkedin to be able to connect with other people um, what are some of the other avenues to be able to find jobs because you know you hear the statistic batted around that you know 60 70 sometimes as high as 80% of the jobs that are available out there never find their way into the newspaper or you know or into you know things like career or career builder or monster or anything like that so how do you go about doing that? What are the what are the sources out there to really find the jobs that maybe people aren't even paying any attention to?
2: Right. Well, take your personal network first. Uh, those family, friends, people that you talk to on a day-in, day-out basis and the companies that they work for and just do the ask. A lot of people don't take the time to say, hey, where do you work or is there any opportunities at your company? Um, I know that, for instance, my father works for General Motors and he's been there for 30 years and his experience when I came out of school was huge. No, I didn't want to necessarily work at General Motors. I didn't want to work at a dealership, but he has a network of marketing communities that that company works with and was able to link me up with a marketing community. Um, And then from there, once I'm able to maybe have a phone conversation with that marketing community, they even know people. So extend your branch just from the people that you know. And then my second piece of advice would be community outreach events, um, Chamber of Commerce. Those are great events to go to if you're looking for a job. And those are networkers and people that are out there to help other businesses and to help other individuals. So that would be a huge, huge uh, opportunity to find something just outside of LinkedIn uh, even Facebook, other social media avenues, uh, Twitter, I mean, post things that you're interested about. You know, we're in a online market these days, and just getting the word out there of jobs you're looking for, you'd be amazed at how many people are in your network that you might not think would be advantageous to your growth and really are.
1: So basically, when it comes to those sorts of things, assume nothing. Assume yeah. everybody out there has something that exactly. they can help you with or something you can learn from
2: them. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. great.
1: Yeah, the whole concept of assume nothing, I think, is really, really important. Uh, leave, you know, I guess I would say leave no stone unturned. Use social media to your advantage. Start discussions. Let people know what you're interested in. Uh, a lot of people, I think, they go out and they create accounts on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and things like that, and then they let them die. They don't They don't let anybody know that they're there. They don't start discussions. They don't participate in discussions. And the more you're out there, not only the more, you, more visibility you have uh, to other people, but the more people get to know you and that's really really important. Lauren highlighted your personal network, your family, your friends, your church affiliations, you know, your bowling, golfing, fishing buddies. The main thing is don't be afraid to ask. I think a lot of times what happens is that we're ashamed that we are unemployed and and it's not our fault, it was just the economy that caused the problem. But there's no shame in in being out there looking for a job. Take advantage of the fact that people you know know other people. And if they can't help you, ask them, do you you have any other connections? Do you know any other business owners or or people who have influence in certain areas of business where I, I might be able to make a connection? Think about other networks. There are a number of business networking groups right here in Connecticut who meet at least once a month. Sometimes more often than that, go take the time to meet new people, find out what they do, uh, share what you're interested in and ask what their company's needs are and if they have any other connections you might speak with. And here is the key point. Even if they're not aware of a need in their business, ask them for the contact information of one of the decision makers in their company you would be absolutely surprised at how often people will create a position for someone who is tenacious and persistent enough to reach out to them. And also think about business associations. As an example, if you're a manufacturing engineer, are you a member of SME, the Society of Manufacturing Engineers? Are you using the networking resources that they afford to look for positions, either to find companies, make connections with other people, or some of the uh, some of the organizations actually in their monthly newsletters and publications will post positions that are available. So you might be able to find something that way, too. The next thing we want to talk about is getting people to meet with you. So far, we've talked about kind of having the right kind of attitude and not getting discouraged in your job search. We've talked about some avenues available to help you uncover opportunities, open positions that you go can go after. But how do you go about getting that first interview and what tools and approaches can you use, especially when you're cold calling a business? Let's see what Lauren has to say about that you yeah, getting going about getting people to meet with you I mean, you have a resume out there you know you're targeting specific companies i mean certainly if you're doing the networking thing whether it's on linkedin or through the chamber of commerce or whatever you have the opportunity to talk to people and say you know hey you know, who do you know or do you know anybody in this particular company because it looks like they might have a need for some of the stuff that i do would you be willing to make an introduction or can you give me a name and a phone number uh, you know so we can take those kinds of pathways but how do you if, you, if you want to work for a particular company or you're interested in talking to them and you haven't found anybody in your network who can make the introduction, how do you go about getting past that, you know, the HR generalist, if you will, at the front door and how do you go about even finding out who to talk to who might be a hiring manager or somebody who's a decision maker in the business?
3: Right,
2: couple things. Be unique and different. A lot of people are following up these days just by sending an email. You know, tell the person via letter, "Thank you, and I appreciate your time," even if it is the HR generalist, and then giving a phone call. Um, I'd say follow up is the biggest thing when it comes to actually getting in front of the people that you want to get in front of.
1: Being being persistently consistent.
2: Being persistently consistent, and then yeah, I just making those phone calls and making sure that LinkedIn can be another great avenue for that too, seeing who it is that you need to talk to. And then talking to different people at maybe the managerial level or HR generalist level and saying, is there any chance that you'd be willing to introduce me to such and such? If there's no opportunity for that, then send them edible arrangements. I mean, get creative. Do things that other people out there aren't doing. Just to say, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. I want to pursue this opportunity and I'm willing to go above and beyond to get to the next stage.
1: Now yeah, the keys here are, as we talked about, being persistently consistent. Don't give up. Don't be a pest, but keep yourself out there. And if people see that you're persistent, that you continue to reach out to them on a regular basis, sometimes that has a, a positive impact. As Lauren said, find the people you want to talk to through searching their businesses on LinkedIn. Uh, even if you don't find a decision maker there that you're looking for, you may find a company employee who will make an introduction or at least give you some contact information. Take the time to call the company. A lot of times receptionists are very, very open to sharing information. If you're an engineer and you want the engineering manager's name, if you call in and say, hey, uh, who's the engineering manager in your business? You can get a name, uh, sometimes a phone number, sometimes an email address that you can reach directly out to that particular person. So learn to be creative in your phone calls, in your emails, and your letters. And I guess the key thing that I would ask you to think about here is that remember that your approach to any potential employer is not about what they can do for you. It's about what you can do for them. Employers want people who can and are interested in adding value to their companies. They're not interested in people who want to collect a paycheck. So let's move to a completely different discussion, and, and it's we're going to talk about One of the great marketing tools for your job search, and that is your resume. We want to talk about the impact of your resume because your resume is one of the main tools in your arsenal for looking for a job. But each one of us has to be very, very clear about the purpose of your resume. It is, plain and simple, a marketing tool that's designed to introduce you to a potential employer. In all of my years in business, I have never once seen any employer look at a resume and tell human resources to hire a person. So the purpose of your resume is to get your toe in the door and to create an initial impression that brings the human resources person or the hiring manager to the very rapid conclusion that they want to talk to you. Lauren's got some great input on the impact of your resume on finding a job. All right, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your resume. And the impact that it has uh, on your ability to, to find a job. And one of the things that I have talked about in the past, I've taught some resume writing classes. And the, the, the message that I've always tried to send to people is that your resume does nothing but get you in the door. And that's what you want it to do. You want it to be a door opener. So what are some of the key things that maybe some mistakes that you've seen in resumes that you've looked at over the years and kind of the general approach that you take to how should a resume be structured? What kind of a message does it need to communicate so that when you're applying for a job along with 200 other people, your resume finds its way to the top of the pile and creates that impression that says, man, I really got to talk to this person.
2: Exactly. I'm actually really glad that you brought this up because as a recruiter, that is the most interesting thing that I find that people, they tend to leave out different things that are so important. And those things, well, let me start with the don'ts. Why don't we start there? So the don'ts would be don't leave gaps in your resume. If you think it might not be relevant experience, it's better to have that experience listed on your resume as opposed to leaving it out. Um, If you've worked somewhere for 30 years, don't include information that's going to be three pages long. Like you said, you only have a few minutes to look over people's resumes, so make sure that it's very focused, that there's the last 10 years of experience listed on your resume. It can go a couple pages if you've been in the industry over 10 years, but if you haven't, it better be one page. Uh, Make sure that you are editing it. A lot of don'ts would be to leave mistakes in there that aren't proofread, that are run on sentences, that don't make any sense when you take a quick glance because that is all that they have to work off of. Um, Another one that I could think of is do have quantitative data. A lot of people tend to leave out, they put their job responsibilities, but they tend to leave out how they've made the company better. So by listing your sales goals that maybe you met or by how you increased um, company culture and in what ways you know quantify that write that on your resume and then always 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 put what you're most proud of at the top of your resume so if your education was 20 30 years ago and you've worked for some incredible companies after that why would you put the education at the top you know have those companies that you're most proud of and those job titles you're most proud of up top and then if say you went back to school and education is something that you want to highlight Put that at the very top. You're proud of that. That's what you want to help further.
1: Okay, excellent. Great, great ideas. And and just to kind of complement that a little bit, I don't think that a lot of people realize how the resume sorting process goes. I mean, I've often used the story that back in the days when I was a hiring manager, uh, I might have an ad in the newspaper for an engineer and I'd get 200 resumes. Right. And I would literally take those 200 resumes home, sit in my easy chair in front of the television at night, and in a period of 45 minutes, I would whittle those resumes down to 10 people that I wanted to talk to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is exactly what you're saying. The resume isn't structured properly. There's, right. the There's no quantitative data. There's misspellings. There's mm-hmm. run-on sentences. That exactly. you know, And my basic attitude is, and people don't like it, but my basic attitude is, is if you don't care enough to take the time Mm -hmm. to present me with a well-structured, nice, clean, readable, impressive resume, how do I have any confidence that if I ever hired you, you'd do a good job for me? So, So I think it's really, really important that the resume be polished and be really good. And in some cases, it may, if you don't have those kinds of skills, It may be worth the while to go out and spend $100 or $150 and get a professional resume writer to take it and do something with it and really give you a good marketable piece of material because that's really what it is. It's a marketing tool for you personally.
2: Exactly. And even if you say you don't have the money to do that, recruiters at staffing firms will help you with that. Just ask them. Say what, you know, I know that you look at resumes every day. What can I do to make this resume look a little bit more clean, a little bit more sharp? And they'll be more than happy to assist you. But they also want to get you back in the job market. So
1: you can get it and get it for free. So yeah, you know, yeah, get, get free advice are, from people who look at right. resumes all the, all the time.
2: Yeah, there are ways out there to do that. Absolutely.
1: So your resume is really, really important as far as a marketing tool. And just to recap some of the things that we talked about, keys to a good resume, keep it focused. It needs to be neatly done. It's got to have a good visual structure to it. I know in the days when I had a resume out there in the marketplace, my approach was that I would always, for every company I work for, I would put the employer, my title, the employment dates, a brief description of what the company did, a brief description of my duties, but the majority of what I was doing was... Listing my accomplishments and putting things down in as many hard numbers as I could give them. So if I took on-time delivery from 50% to 97% in a period of nine months, I said that. Those sorts of things are really, really important. Make sure, uh, have, have people read your resume and, and give you feedback because you don't want any misspellings or run-on sentences. Make sure you highlight your strengths and your accomplishments and a max of two pages unless you're applying for a position either in medicine or or academia where they want a lot of a lot more detail but basically take the the approach of i, I think that your resume wants to answer five questions number 1 you want to tell people who you are how they can contact you number 2 they, they you want them to know what you do and what you've accomplished number 3 they want something that uh, a statement of some sort that tells them what makes you stand out from everyone else in your field. They want to know what benefits they're going to get if they hire you, and they want to know what next step you want them to take. And that usually gets covered in, some of that can be covered in a cover letter that you send where you can tell them exactly what you want and what next steps you would like if if they're open to doing that. We're going to take another quick break here, and then we will be back with more of Lauren White here on The Gary Smith Show.
0: Tune in this Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for Word of Truth, the preaching ministry of Truth Baptist Church in South Windsor. God is Truth is the title of Pastor Bim Rowley's message this week from his current series, Who is God? Truth Baptist Church is located at 60 Burnham Street in South Windsor with Sunday services at 1030 and 6 o'clock. They believe in teaching God's truth in an environment of love. Tune in to Word of Truth, Saturdays at 9 a.m., On 1550 AM WSDK.
2: My organization asked me to find a speaker for one of our major events. I didn't know where to turn until a friend recommended that I contact Gary Smith. Gary was easy to work with and affordable. He designed and delivered an amazing program that met all of our needs.
1: This is Gary Smith. If you're looking for a speaker who will entertain, educate, and inform your audience, Call me at 203-599-1467 to discuss your specific requirements. I speak on a wide range of business, personal development, and spiritual topics, and I'll create a program that is guaranteed to please. Again, I'm Gary Smith, and I look forward to your call two zero three five nine nine fourteen sixty seven.
3: Just an outside chance of a shower or a thunderstorm late day or evening today. Across the Connecticut Valley thanks to an area of moisture moving by to the north mid sixties this afternoon, upper forties tonight. Some sun for a while tomorrow with possible thunder round, mainly late day or evening. Once that moisture begins moving eastward, low sixties, mostly sunny brisk and a bit cool Monday, low sixties. Randy Berkson with a WSDK weather update.
1: Okay, welcome back uh, to the final segment here of the Gary Smith Show today. Give us a call, 860-432-9735. I'd love to talk to you and get your opinions on things. Uh, text us at 860-856-7193 or email questions at optex.com. So, so far in the show, we've, uh, we've talked about the foundation. We gave you some, uh, some Economic and unemployment and employer perspectives on things. And we talked about that there is a positive side, that unemployment is down a bit, uh, and there are jobs out there if you know how to find them. We talked about the biggest challenges to finding a job, the whole idea of being discouraged with things that are, that are going on. Um, you know, and, and how we need to make sure that we, that we address those things because no one wants to hire a negative, discouraged person. So, Use the power of prayer. Breathe and relax. Be calm and confident. And practice things before you go into an interview. Think about the kinds of questions that they're going to ask you. Read through your resume and say, "Gee, if I was the person who was sitting on the other side of the table, what kind of questions would I ask me?" And then take the time to come up with answers for that, so you have stuff prepared and be prepared for the difficult questions that people are going to ask you in uh, in a resume in an in interview rather about the things that you've done in your career. Uh, we talked about, uh, recareering and, and a focus on a personal inventory, the skills, the core skills that you have, skills that you have that you may not even have thought about, things that you're really passionate about, and where are the gaps between where you are and where you want to be, and how can you get creative in, in filling those gaps. We talked about other sources of finding jobs, you know, using social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, using your personal network, business and employment networking events, job fairs. That's something I didn't talk about earlier, but uh, job fairs are something that are potentially valuable uh, not just from the standpoint that you may find an employer there who has a job you might be interested in, but for the networking capabilities that you have, because there's going to be other people there who are just like you. They're looking for work. Start conversations with them. Find out what they're doing. I mean, maybe go, maybe go out and have a cup of coffee with a couple of them and say, "Gee, what are you guys doing? And what kind of success are you seeing? What things seem to be working for you? What things seem to not be working for you?" And also, we talked about reaching out, becoming members of professional associations. Then we talked about how to actually go about getting meetings, being persistently consistent, not giving up, finding people you want to talk to, calling companies directly, uh, being creative in your phone calls, your emails and letters, and remembering it's not not about what they're going to do for you. It's about what you can do for them. And then we talked about the impact of your resumes. You know, that it's a marketing tool to get your foot in the door. It needs to be clean, well organized, visually appealing, no misspellings or run on sentences, and that it focuses uh, on your accomplishments. Now what we want to do is we want to jump quickly to, uh, if we can fit them in, a couple of other topics here. The first is do's and don'ts for job interviews. So you've finally gotten your foot in the door and you're now either sitting in an interview room with HR or maybe meeting with your next potential boss. What are the things that you should do and not do? Let's get back to our conversation with Lauren White. Let's talk a little bit about selling yourself. When you, you know, when you finally get to a point where you you have an opportunity to meet with you know with the with the company, uh, and you're actually sitting with you know the hiring managers or someone who's going to have a major influence on your ability to be able to get that job. What are the things that? You know, how do you want to approach it? What are the things that you want to say? What are some of the things you absolutely don't want to say?
2: Absolutely, things you do want to say are. Asking questions about the company, a lot of people don't take the time to prepare once they do get the opportunity to sit down with someone in person. So having three questions after looking over their website um, or looking over the job description that you've come prepared with to ask them, that's huge. Make sure that you have that ready ready to go. Um, Stuff that is not good to do once you get the opportunity to sit down and showcase your abilities is be negative. Um, That was one of just the biggest turnoffs when I was interviewing individuals is them leaving a job and then only having negative things to say about the previous job they did or the previous boss they worked for. I mean, this is about bettering yourself and how you can be positive going to the next stage. So focus on turning those negatives and making those lemons into lemonade. Um, that will best showcase you, and showcase that when you are then put into a company, that you're going to be there and be encouraging, and be someone that people people want to be teammates with, and people want to work around and for.
1: How how do you feel about when you've come to the end of an interview? Sometimes there's that awkward moment, you know, where you know the the person you're talking with, you know, hasn't really said anything. Is is it appropriate for you to say, "Listen, I based on what we've talked about." I really like the feel of this opportunity. I like the people I've met with here today. Uh, When can we get together again? I'd really like to have another, another interview. I'd like to get a chance to see your operation. I'd like to get, you know, if you're looking for a supervisory position, I'd like to get a chance to maybe talk with some of the people, you know, that I might be working for. Is it appropriate to ask for those kinds of things and put yourself out there and let the company know you're really interested?
2: Extremely appropriate. Always leave them with a to-do item is what I call it. Whether it's sitting down in an interview or an email, when will be a great time for me to follow up? I'm truly interested in this opportunity. Give them the ability to tell you. If they are screening through a lot of other candidates, then say, I, I understand there's a lot of other candidates out there, but I would love to take this to the next level. When would you like me to give you a follow-up call? Um, little things like that will stand out and we'll leave it as an action item and you'll know how to follow up at that point.
1: Okay. and a follow-up to that um, after the after the interviews over and and you've gone you've gone home appropriate to send a thank you note to the people you've met with and and if you do uh, should it be something that's handwritten or are emails okay
2: Either way, I mean, it does depend on the job, but I, I always handwrite. I think that handwritten notes and an email, do both. I mean, the more the merrier in that scenario. If the person that interviewed you gets an email immediately following saying thank you so much, that is critical. And then after that, a few days later, when they might have even forgotten about you, gets a letter th- that says the same thing, that just brings you right back up on the radar. So I would do both.
1: So great advice there from, uh, from Lauren about the do's and don'ts for job interviews. And, and let's talk about that for just a, for just a minute. Number one, be prepared. Do your homework on the company going in for a particular job and not having questions to ask them either about the position that you're going into, uh, or the company itself. Uh, really shows a lack of preparation on your part, and it also shows a lack of interest. And believe me, potential employers will pick up on that. So take the time, do your homework, and and – you know, be willing to ask questions that are appropriate for the level of business that you're that you're going to be doing with them, for the position that you're going to be getting. I think that that's really, really important, and it's very, very valuable. If you can sit down and say, listen, I've looked and I've seen your company has been growing at a rate of 5% for the past five years, and you're now at $30 million in sales, kind of what are your plans for taking things to the next level here? That communicates to somebody that this individual's not only done their homework, but they're really interested in where this company is going. And that begins to create a valuable impression with them that you can be part of the team, that you can be a contributor to that. Uh, Another thing that Lauren highlighted that's extremely important is don't be negative. If you've had some difficult situations that you've had to deal with uh, with past employers, take the time to think through that stuff and be prepared to discuss it but do it from the standpoint of not well I left my last job because my you know the boss that I worked for was just a complete moron he had no idea what he was doing that may be true but you can't ever say that in an interviewing situation look at the positive sides of things and look at what you have learned and how you can turn that around and turn that negative into into a positive when you're when you're doing the interview And as Lauren said, always, always, always take the time at the end of an interview to number one, if you're interested in the job, let them know. Say, I'd really like to take this discussion to the next level. Are you open to doing that? And that show, that expresses your interest. And then after the interview is over, do take the time to follow up with people. Send uh, a, either a handwritten uh, note, uh, a typed letter, or an email, or all of the above. Uh, I think sometimes, as Lauren was saying, you know, sometimes if you get uh, an email uh, immediately following the interview, and I mean within a few hours after the interview is over, and then a couple of days later, you get a handwritten note. That says, gee, this person is really interested, and it also helps keep you in the forefront of the hiring manager's mind when it comes to making a decision about either making a job offer or bringing you back in for another interview. The final thing we want to talk about today with Lauren is the concept of your attitude during the interview. How do you approach that whole thing, and what's really, really important when it comes to that? So let's wrap up our discussion with Lauren White. And one last topic, let's uh, talk about, and that is um, your overall attitude when you when you go into uh, when you go into an interview. Um, I mean, obviously, we want to be positive in things, uh, but how do you how do you go about projecting the right kind of attitude that you know that shows your level of interest without being over the top, and you know, and really lets the person know that you know you've done your homework. You know, you're interested in knowing more about you know what you know what they're doing, those sorts of things. When
2: it comes to attitude, just be honest and be yourself. Um, realize that the other person on the other side of the table is just that, just another person looking to qualify you for the job. And ultimately, they they aren't sitting there trying to waste their time and disqualify you. You know, they want to work with you. So just always be positive. Try to even ask them questions, build rapport with them. And then the most important thing I can say is be honest. If you don't have experience doing something, tell them, you know, they're not going to want to hear, you know, I've never done it before, but I'm, but I am willing to learn, you know, just be be honest. Um, I'd say that's my best piece of advice when it comes to, um, your attitude in an interview. And, Outside of, and that goes without saying that you have to come prepared as well. You know, come prepared with those three questions to ask about the company, about the job, and then be real. Be real.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's an excellent point. You know, being real, being yourself, being honest, because ultimately, if you're not, it's going to come back to haunt you at some mm-hmm. point because, you know, exactly. people aren't stupid. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the people you're interviewing with are very, very intelligent people, and they can, you know, they can either tell by your body language or, or uh, by, you know, by what you're saying that you're not comfortable, and right. that something doesn't doesn't feel right. So just be yourself, yeah. because that's an important thing for you fitting with the company as you know as you go on. And and one of the things I talk about too is that realize that the interview is a two way street. Exactly. You know, they're interviewing you, but I think a lot of times people take the attitude, especially when you're out of work and you're looking for a job, they take the attitude of you know uh, what my wife who's from Slovakia used to say, you know you know pani pekni please give me a job, you know type <laughs> right. of thing. And 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 as a result of that, it's almost like you're going in hat in hand begging for something rather than saying, listen, I'm a worthwhile individual. Mm -hmm. I have a lot to offer your company. So it's not just a matter of you interviewing me. I'm interviewing you too. And I'm going to show that in the quality of the questions that I ask you Mm -hmm. uh, so so that we both get a sense of, are my skills an appropriate fit for this job? And perhaps even more importantly, is the culture of the company a good fit with who I am as a person?
2: Yeah. They'll appreciate that. Absolutely. That's huge. And they understand that you're nervous going into it too. That's something that I left out. So qualify that on the front end. When you're being real and being honest, say, hey, look, you know, I'm coming into this a little bit nervous. I really am excited about this job. And little things like that will obviously take the pressure off of you feeling as nervous because you've just said it right there. And then, yeah. And then making sure that you're coming with those questions because the last thing that you want is to get into a job that isn't the best fit for you. you know. Even if you're at a point where you are just needing anything that comes up, just try to remember to not just take anything that comes up because that'll only lead to a path that won't be the best fit for the company or yourself and you'll be back on the job market and you wanna make sure that you are asking them good solid questions so that you can find something that's a fit for years and years to come.
1: Lauren White, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. Uh, I really appreciate all of your input, some great stuff.
2: Oh, thank you, it was absolutely my pleasure.
1: So that wraps it with, uh, with our discussion with Lauren White today about uh, finding uh, jobs in a difficult economy. I hope you found that that was really, really beneficial for you. We look forward to having you back with us uh, next week. We're going to, over the next uh, several weeks, we're going to have some really, really interesting people. We're going to have Joseph Sikowskis with us from JC Marketing Communications, a full-service marketing firm here in Connecticut. Uh, we're going to have Micah Escano, uh, who is an interesting combination. He is a manufacturer engineer and a Black Belt, uh, Six Sigma Black Belt, but he's also an intellectual property attorney. He's going to be talking with us about continuous improvement, and we're going to have Martha Marty Cobb with us uh, from Southwest Airlines. So take care. God bless. Live your life with passion. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for joining us this morning. Please mark your calendars and be sure to join us next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of The Gary Smith Show. And remember, there are a number of resources available to assist you at Gary's website, Optex.com. Until next week, may God richly bless you.